This is what's new and what's next from the team behind Civic at the San Francisco Public Press. I'm Laura Wenis. I'm Sylvie Sturm. Police Chief Bill Scott told the police commission last week that comparing samples of victim DNA to that of suspects in criminal cases was a terrible mistake. The San Francisco Standard reports that Scott explained how this happened. DNA has been stored in a quality control database since 2015. Quality control became an issue when the database got so big that samples from crime scenes started matching old samples. The police department is auditing cases where sample comparisons turned up matches. Eleven matches to rape kit DNA have been discovered so far. One of these led to an arrest in an unrelated crime. The police chief said measures are now in place to prevent this from happening again. Mayor London Breed withdrew her request last week for additional police overtime. The ask was part of a crackdown on drug dealing and use in the Tenderloin. In a letter to the Board of Supervisors, Breed cited lower-than-expected overtime used to cover for officers who became infected or exposed to COVID. She also said increased retirements were reducing the strain on the police staffing budget. The mayor will be asking the board for additional overtime for the city's firefighters. The mayor also withdrew a proposed ballot measure in the June election that would give police real-time access to private surveillance camera networks. Supervisor Aaron Peskin also withdrew a competing ballot measure to streamline the process for police to get permission to access surveillance cameras. Breed's measure would have allowed police to use their own discretion. The ACLU celebrated Breed's change of heart— In a press release, the organization said that the SFPD was trying to use people's fears about public safety to give themselves unchecked surveillance power. Breed's proposal will still go to the Board of Supervisors for a vote. In other ballot news, voters will consider a proposal to overhaul garbage collection rates in the wake of a massive overbilling scandal. Supervisors unanimously agreed on Tuesday to let the voters decide in June whether the controller, not the director of public works, should be responsible for proposing rate hikes. Recology has agreed to pay more than $130 million in fines for overcharging residents nearly $95 million. It pulled off the scheme by bribing disgraced former public works director Mohamed Nuru. Peskin said the city must learn from this scandal. This is an object lesson in what happens when you let a company throw money all over this town and get too cozy with the regulators. The corruption probe may not be over yet. Last week, the San Francisco Standard reported that the city attorney is now investigating donations from Recology to the nonprofit fundraising arm of the city's Department of the Environment. A judge decided on Tuesday that David Campos has been misleading voters by calling himself a civil rights attorney while campaigning for San Francisco's vacant state assembly seat. Campos is on leave as district attorney chief of staff. Late last month, his opponent, Matt Haney, filed a lawsuit arguing that Campos served in a management role for an office that prosecutes crime, and to call himself a civil rights attorney violated the California Elections Code. On Tuesday, A Sacramento Superior Court judge agreed. The judge suggested the designation of district attorney administrator instead. Campos firmly objected. They eventually settled on the term criminal justice administrator. The school board voted last week to potentially eliminate more than 200 positions. Those include teachers, counselors, social workers, and up to a third of all non-unionized management positions. 
but the board voted down a proposal by the state fiscal expert to lay off 47 teachers' aides. The fiscal expert said that saving these positions could make it difficult for the district to stay solvent, and if the district fails to do so, that would trigger a state takeover. The district must stick to its plan to cover a $125 million deficit. The teachers' union president called those layoffs unnecessary. She said the district has the money for their salaries, and it's disingenuous to say otherwise. Layoff notices will be sent March 15th. It was the first major vote since three board members were recalled by voters in a special election on February 15th. One member has already stepped down, but two others won't be removed from office until March 11th. Several call-in speakers said the recalled members shouldn't be allowed to vote. During the same meeting, the board also approved a new collective bargaining agreement with the teachers' union through to June 30, 2023. The contract directs $33 million in bonuses and raises to teachers and substitutes next year. A temporary suspension of teacher sabbaticals and funds from the Proposition G parcel tax will help offset the cost. That's what's new. Here's what's coming up next on the city's calendar. The Land Use and Transportation Committee will meet at 1.30 p.m. on Monday the 7th. On the agenda is a proposal to delay a massive new Amazon distribution facility by 18 months. The new temporary zoning control would give the city time to adopt regulations ensuring that parcel delivery services don't harm neighborhoods with excessive traffic, pollution and noise, and that employees get fair treatment. The site at 7th and Barry Streets was formerly occupied by Recology and had been slated for 1,000 housing units before Amazon's proposal. The company says it will bring 500 jobs in with it. A local opponent argues that a parking and trucking facility on that six-acre site would sabotage the surrounding residents' efforts to become a complete, well-connected neighborhood. You can watch the proceedings for this meeting at sfgovtv.org. The Board of Supervisors will hold its meeting on Tuesday at 2 p.m. They will discuss legislation making it harder to build so-called monster homes. The ordinance would create additional scrutiny from the Planning Commission on new or expanding houses of more than 4,000 square feet. Proponents say rules are needed to ensure that new homes are affordable to average San Franciscans, not just the obscenely rich, and to maintain neighborhood character. A Dolores Heights resident said that sound existing homes are being demolished on multiple lots to make way for monster homes as big as 8,000 square feet. An opponent said that rather than discourage monster homes, the city should dramatically streamline the process for building multifamily developments. Watch the meeting at sfgovtv.org. The city's homelessness department doesn't have an official oversight body, but it does have an advisory board. That's the local homeless coordinating board, which meets once a month. Their March meeting will take place on Monday, March 7th at 11 a.m. They'll get a routine update from the department's director. They'll also hear from the problem-solving and homelessness prevention team and discuss how that effort is coming along. And the board will be hearing about the regional strategy a group called All Home has come up with, with All Home's top leadership. The meeting will be accessible via WebEx. Find details about how to join and the agenda at hsh.sfgov.org and go to committees. On March 9th at 6 p.m., the school board's Committee on Student Assignment will meet to talk about progress in new zone-based elementary school assignment. The current system allows families to apply to any school in the district. The new policy limits the choice to the family's designated zone. 
With it, the district hopes to reverse trends of school segregation, under-enrollment, and disconnection from surrounding communities. The new policy will begin in 2024 for kindergarten applicants. Some parents were worried that zoning assignment could change demographics and eliminate grants for schools with low-income students. Others called for diversifying teachers to reflect the student body and to include diversity, equity, and inclusion training for staff and students. The Assessor Recorder's Office will be helping families in the city's southeast with estate planning. This is an equity initiative to help families of color build generational wealth. Here's Assessor Recorder Joaquin Torres. Estate planning is an effective way to ensure that our families and our communities can preserve those hard-earned assets, their home, um, uh, and other assets, and use them as a basis for building intergenerational wealth. On a community level, estate planning is an underutilized tool to address the disparities in home ownership and inheritance, most specifically seen within communities of color. So estate plans consist of four documents, a will, a living trust, a power of attorney, healthcare directives. And what we're doing here is we're expanding uh, on this pillar and we're going to Southeastern communities to recruit them to participate in estate planning. And we're seeking to provide these plans for 100 participants, uh, either at free of cost or reduced, significantly reduced cost, depending on income level, uh, and assure that households, that they have their estate plan for their family, for themselves, uh, so they, that all of their assets can be secured in the event of their death or the incapacity to make these decisions. A hundred households will receive this assistance. To sign up for estate plans, call the Assessor's Partner Agency, Housing and Economic Rights Advocates, or HERA. They are at 510-271-8443, extension 300. The group can also be reached by email at inquiries at heraca.org. This has been What's New and What's Next. Our music is from the Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Sylvie Sturm. I'm Laura Wenis. Thanks for listening.